Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? Welcome to episode number 347 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the cozy Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Why am I cozy, Fast? Look at you. You look all, you look all uh, I don't know, you look fally, you look autumnal. Uh, I know it's, uh, um, you know, and very nice in New York City right now. I'm missing that. You just And you took a sip it's of It's because I'm wearing water. a, it's, okay, it's because I am wearing a green hoodie slash shirt. Tunic? And it's actually coffee. It's a tunic. Is yeah, it? It's a tunic. Yeah. Is it coffee? coffee? I got the sense yeah. that it was like a warm beverage because it really fit into the <laughs> into the into the motif here. And I'm glad no. that I was right. Uh, wow. I could do some of that coffee right now, but I don't have any. What are you it doesn't doing? Matter. Yeah. Wait. Wait. You made a promise to me that I know every OTC that you drink iced coffee thirty to forty minutes before fast. This is when the contract was signed. It had Listen. a stipulation that you must have coffee before the OTC. I could go get it right now while you do no. a quick preamble. Do you want me to do that? I mean, uh, it's right in my <laughs> fridge. It's right there. Yeah, give me give me five minutes. Here we go, guys. The coffee preamble. Right, no, you you got you got you have you have thirty seconds to say whatever you want to say. I can still hear you. I just won't be able to talk. Go ahead. I want to hear. It. <laughs> um, first of all, how dare Alex say I'm cozy after the Astros swept the Yankees? I am not cozy. I could not sleep. Uh, I am really excited about this. By the way, we also have first pitch Arizona next Wednesday. I. Uh, I'm going to be there. Fast is going to be there. Miles Nelson's going to be there. Scott Chu's going to be there. Um, other staffers as well. Come by. Say hi to us. Really. We want to meet all of you. We want to talk about all this stuff. Um, do not hesitate to introduce yourself on the first day. The whole point of that trip is just to get to know everybody and hang out. Um, we also have our uh, 2023 too early mock draft done across our staff. You'll be seeing the article later this uh, week. And I, I'm looking forward to that one because my team kind of sucks. But I think next week, Fast and I will talk about that on this uh, podcast. We'll go through it, all my uh, uh, decisions. I mean, really, there's no reference point at all for us to do that. And look at that. Fast is already back. I didn't even get to talk well about interesting things. Well, I mean, time what do you know? Nick too. can talk on his own. Shocking. I know. But can you believe it? Time to spare, too. Very excited. We're going to have a fun live podcast. Nick and I are both giving talks at First Pitch Arizona. You can come up and talk to us. It's going to be a very, very good yeah, time. You have your own we, presentation. I'm, yeah, I'm not both, doing one this year. You're not? I'm, just hanging you're just out. I'm doing two panels. Two panels. Oh. Yeah, I'm a lazy boy. Yeah, that was you know? smart. I, I I am ruining the day, but I, I've got some fun stuff right. to share. Thanks to Justin Phil Toe. Uh, I will request one for Florida, though. You stuff will. we're revealing for PL8, I feel like I have to, I yeah. have to do a panel for that. Like that's not even. <laughs> we also got some good um, brunch recommendations from Jenny. Oh Butler, yeah, from right? Jenny Butler. Jenny, thank yeah. you so much for that. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I looked at the, both of them. I think I, I think I know the one. All right, um, I'm very excited too. to go on a little brunch date with you. But yeah. we're, listen, we're going to dive right in. What are we doing? What are we doing right now? Well, we're we're in kind of uh, episode number three of this kind of mini series that we're working on, which is Nick's top uh, 200 starting pitchers for fantasy baseball. Uh, we're on episode three because the first one was one through 36, then 36 through 60. We're we're just going to have it fun. We're, we're keeping it a little bit more arbitrary. We are going to try and pile through 60 through 100 in this. Yeah, podcast, we're going to try. Though. We might go a little bit. We're going to do our we'll best. See. We're going to do our best. Yeah, very nice. Tier 10 is know. very exciting. But you need it. You need it. You need to know how they are going to be described. You need a category. OK, yeah. uh, it's a very strange category, but I just thought about it. And it's what we're going to do. Your category today is outdoor hobbies. Outdoor, outdoor hobbies. Outdoor hobbies. 
<laughs> okay. Outdoor hobbies is is what we're dealing with. Wow. Today, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. No time to think. We're jumping in. This is the tier that we teased on the end of the last episode because it's a very exciting tier as I feel the iced coffee already coursing through my veins. You thought you were going li- to listen to this two times double speed? Not going to happen. You're going to listen to it on the regular speed because that's how we talk. Tier 10, Reed Detmers, Hunter Green at 61, Tyler McGill, Edward Cabrera at 63, Mackenzie Gore, Aaron Ashby, Michael Kopech, Grayson Rodriguez, Dre Jameson. I'm going to tell a quick story real quick before I give it over to you to say what the name of the tier is. Last night, I went to a Mars Volta concert. Went to a oh, really? Myself. It was very nice. Yeah. It was fantastic. Usually, they're not very good live, and they were fantastic last night. Uh, oh, I, wow. It was the eighth inning of the ALCS. I was watching the game before the show started, and I saw someone peer over and then pulled up something on their phone, which was the uh, MLB app. Uh, and I so I shared my phone with them, and they said, oh, thanks. And we started talking. He said he was a Miami Marlins fan. And then I said, yeah, they're so exciting. I love Pablo Lopez, Edward Cabrera, you know, Max Meyer. And he was like, I have never met anyone on this coast who knows any single player on the Miami Marlins. And he was like, how do you know all and, of and, uh, these players? How did you not mention Sandy Alcantara in that? I, we did. No, we, 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 we talked about Sandy. We talked about Trevor Rogers. We talked about moving Pablo Lopez and how maybe he mm. traded his value in the second half. Anyway, you've had enough time to think what wait, is. Wait, no, no. The, so, so are, when are you guys going to hang what? out and you went at Mars Volta concert so, and a Miami Marlins fan, you made a new friend fast. And he went to NYU and he had a oh daughter. My God. She, was, she was seven years old. I was uh, obviously being Zelda replaced six months old. No, because the sh- lights went down as we were talking. And what happens when you go to a general no, admission no. show and lights yeah, go yeah, down? They, everyone moves and everyone wait, so moves you don't forward. know who they are. I don't. I've never seen no. Sam again and I never will see Sam. Sam, again. if you're listening, if you found us, please. No, I did. You realize I that it was Alex Fast of Pitcherless fame. I don't think you actually I, really I have ESPN Sunday night baseball fame, I should say at this point. Okay, fine. All right. We've, we've, and, uh, we've, the, uh, I said we had to get Emmy through a winner. And now here we are six minutes in. I don't even have the first category from you. What is the name of this tier? Why is it called that? Um, this, I, I didn't actually come up with one in all that time. But Come on, Nick, all the outdoor hobbies coursing through your, your, your yeah, bones. I actually, I have a good one for later. Okay. Uh, this one. I mean, all right. Oh, no, I did have one. This one's rock climbing. Oh, okay. Why? Because uh, you're going to fall a lot, but everyone's sure. going to be all about, hey, man, I just joined this rock climbing. And it's like the best thing ever. That's like uh, everyone's going to be talking about this one. Like everyone's going to feel cool getting these players. All but right. You're going to fall good. a lot. We're, like we said, we're going to get through 60 to 100, so we got to be a little bit more selective. I'm going to let you hit on each one, but we're not going to deep dive as many. The one I do want to start with, though, is Reed Detmers. I mean, coming into the year, there was a lot of excitement about Detmers because of his spring training performances. took him a little bit while to be able to get to the extent where he was throwing even over 80 pitches at the beginning of the season, but we had a few moments where there was just some brilliance from him. 12K game against Texas in the middle of the season where he picked up 19 whiffs combined between his four-seamer and slider. Obviously, we saw a little bit different velocity from him as well over the course of the year, which at points was really exciting. However, there were moments where he did just kind of fall back down to earth. And the last uh, couple starts for him, especially at the end of August into September, there were a few four earned run blunders there. One really noti- noticeable one where he got hit really hard by a really poor Detroit Tigers team. What are you thinking about Reed Detmers? Is next year the year where he's finally able to pull it together and maybe have 150 innings with the mid three ERA or I don't know. What are you thinking about him? Right. I uh, began the year. He threw a no hitter. Um, this was his sixth start of the year. And I remember not being in on Detmers at that point. Mm-hmm. It felt weird. He had this five earned run starting his second start. I remember watching that one on a Friday night and uh, he was teetering to being okay. And not at that point of a clear drop after but it felt wrong because Demers didn't have his slider getting whiffs. That's something we saw for a start at the end of last year in 2021. We saw it in spring training a little bit. It's what got me hyped about it. He had the big curveball. He had the velocity up. He had that slider getting whiffs. And we just did not see it. And he threw the no-hitter. And I remember writing the roundup being like, he's not that good, though. This isn't like I mm. want to be so excited about this and saying, ha-ha, he's made it. He only had two strikeouts in that game. He had the minimalist score of 2022 with three. If you don't know the minimalist score. Actually, I believe it's zero no one he gets one you get minus one for every inning after eight uh or after seven so you get minus mm. one for eight minus i don't know if you guys don't know what that is as a as an archaic pitcherless term um anyway 
Detmers did not have a slider, went down to the minors, came back uh, in uh, July, on the, on the 8th of July, and had his slider, and it was cooking. Um, we're talking four earned runs in his first five games back. Uh, looks like about 40 strikeouts in that time. Something ridiculous, and it was all here. And they kind of teetered by the end. He kind of got uh, uncalibrated again. Uncalibrated? Decalibrated? I don't know. Uncalibrated. Uncalibrated? Okay. He talked about going to the minors and having his mechanics fixed with his shoulders. Felt like it was good. And then he really didn't have it again in that in September. So this low essentially is me saying, I don't know what Detmers are going to see. However, him at his peak with that slider getting whiffs, glove side and down, he is an ace, essentially, if he's able to do that all the time. He's also really young. Detmers is yeah. going to be 23 for half of the year next year. 24 at the end. Uh, on Actually, he had that start coming back on his birthday. And uh, I, I, I can see this being a breakout season if he gets that consistency. He has the ability to be an ace. But it could be just a complete headache as we chase this stuff in, in April and May. If he was on any other team, count me in. But honestly, mm. I'm not doing Griffin Canning all over again. I'm not doing all this uh, sure. stuff all yeah, over. I got, like, I'm, oh, I'm man. just not doing Griffin it. Griffin Canning. I know. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it. Like, And I feel bad for Detmers because I truly think he's one of those dudes where if you brought him to any, any other organization, but I have to stick to my guns and just think that like the Angels cannot develop pitching. I don't mm-hmm. know who the last good pitcher they developed was. I don't. Can you think of one off the top of your head? I'm sure there is. I mean, one, Patrick Sandoval ish, like, but not. You're talking about like. I'm talking about really? like an up a real high upside dude. Even Sandoval's had moments where over the at the oh, end. Oh no, of the Sandoval year, is not. Yeah, like he he had it for a moment, but then it's not really like oh we feel like an SP twenty. You know? Totally, and no, they didn't develop Otani. You know, like he he came yeah. over as a perfect, you know package um anyway that those are my thoughts on canning i want to move forward a little bit here one other person i want to do a little bit more of a depth deep dive on in this tier and obviously like i said i'm gonna give you an opportunity to talk about each of them uh what what are you thinking garrett richards thinking maybe maybe I'm, I'm, it's garrett the, richards yeah. yeah maybe uh but still nah, if, you're thinking, really, if we're going though. back to he garrett richards it, yeah. i know I, 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 I was richards, just trying to challenge myself like i can't think of anything <laughs> no it's the same yeah yeah you're right um I, I don't I, I actually did Jared really Weaver. About, okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this person too much because it's someone that we, you know, I feel like people know your your thoughts about him. But we do need to talk a little bit about Aaron Ashby, right? Because Aaron Ashby sure. had a lot of promise coming into the season. We didn't know if he was going to be able to get the starts. He ends up making 27 appearances, but just 19 starts. He deals with injury a lot. He doesn't really have any consistency in the stretches that he does come up. There are some moments where he looks like the guy that we thought he could be, but then there are long stretches where he just doesn't really have it. I mean, this is a guy we were really excited about his sinker slider combination. The sinker ends up being a very league average pitch. The slider ends up being a pretty much league average pitch. It gets a little bit more swing and miss, but it's still under 20% swing strike rate. So it's not like it's that much more to write home about. He did finish seventh in CSW on the year. But again, those metrics can be a little bit skewed by the fact that, you know, maybe what is it uh, eight or nine relief appearances the k rate was still there but man really poor era you know poor whip uh the walk rate wasn't really great are you expect you know but also the last caveat i'll say the the brewers signed him they signed him to a long-term deal and you have to believe he's a part of that rotation coming into next year as a four or a five what are you thinking about aaron ashby is next year the year where it clicks for him he was two in ten this year that's crazy yeah Aaron Ashby was two and ten what I worry about the most with Ashby is his sinker Uh, I think he doesn't command it well Uh, and I think not being able to get strikes effectively with it and prevent contact on it um, means that you know he's going to have generally a higher whip I think he's going to have a higher walk rate because of it Uh, and his slider is still excellent I mean, 36% CSW, hard contact, sub 13%. It's what you want to see. I think the changeup did good enough. Like, it wasn't the most stellar thing ever. He got more of the zone with it this year, and I think that hurt him um, with a 297 average as opposed to 167 average from the previous year. However, he allowed less card contact on it this season. Uh, so I think that should shift back as, as his luck gets a little bit better on it. 
He didn't allow a single home run on his changeup in 2020. Wim Badashby allowed a 38% home run five ball rate on the pitch uh, in 2022. Um, that only actually was five home runs, but still that's significantly different than zero. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to trust Aaron Ashby out of the gate. I th- mm. That's the problem to me. I do believe the Brewers will let him go more consistently instead of whatever this was this year of every other week. But I will say everyone else inside this tier, Hunter Green, Tyler McGill, Hunter Green, by the way, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be pushing higher up. Hunter Green. Clear. Um, Eric Cabrera, Mackenzie Gore, Michael Kopech. I think all of those have clear paths to just being a starter every five days, and that's that. Then Aaron Ashby does, or at least, uh, yeah, it's just, it just, I don't know what the Brewers are going to do. And yeah. it's going to be a headache, and I don't enjoy this <laughs> right now. I don't believe that the fastball is going to be fixed, and it's going to be a little rough. You could give, uh, obviously, a quick rundown of all the other people inside of this tier, but I think one of the biggest shocks that people are going to see on this tier isn't necessarily Cabrera or Gore or Michael Kopech or even Grayson Rodriguez, who theoretically should be in the rotation to start the year. It's probably Dre Jameson coming mm. in at number 68. Why are you so high on this sinker-slider combo guy from the Arizona Diamondbacks? It takes a lot out of me not to make the obvious joke about Dre and that people didn't remember him they forgot about me uh yeah i'm sorry i think he's not as good as he was yeah everyone's gonna be like oh man wow he took down the dodgers and the, and the padres and the giants twice it was great 24 strikeouts and 24 innings and he throws hard 96 miles per hour on the four seamer only had a nine percent swing strike rates oddly enough uh he got hit really hard with it 46 percent hard contact i will say these numbers don't really stabilize after only 24 innings um, and 127 pitches uh, you need more of a sample for that uh, I do think that over time the slider can be a really nice secondary offering 25% swing strike rate in its small sample uh, 41% CSW but I generally do think that the four seamer is an effective one and he throws it up and then he generally keeps the slider down and that's good uh, sinker he does favor more arm side than he does backdoor which I like as well that means he saves it for right-handers. Um, yeah, I, I think that Dre Jameson is one of those guys that you want to snag at the end of your drafts and see how it plays out um, early in the season, as I believe the Arizona Diamondbacks will put him in the rotation right away. And he clearly has the one-two punch that you're looking for, uh, more so than I think like Luis Ortiz. Um, it's similar, but I think Dre Jameson is a little bit better at commanding his four-seamer. Okay. Um, give us some quick hits on the remaining people in the tier. Oh, thank you so much, Fast. That's like that's so so kind of you. Um, I want to talk about all of these um, really quick, but first, we're going to take a quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Wrong. Nick's breaking the rules every week. Every week, the fence post move. The fence post move. It's like it's like the it's like the Tennessee Alabama game. They just pick up the fence posts. So they pick up the and just chuck and it in the them. river. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, let's get let's get some quick hits of the remaining that's, people. That's in what they 10. did. Fast. I didn't I make know, that up. They chucked it into the river. Okay. Um, Hunter Green. As I said, I'm going to be raising him up. His fastball was better. Um, and I in the last six games, he was really good in those six games. How much we're going to actually lean on those? I don't know. I'm a little more conservative at the moment because I saw it as just kind of a hot streak from him that just the season ended. A lot of people are really buying into that. No, that's he's made it. He's great. And I'm like, no, I, I still worry about the fastball being hittable. He did take some strides, though, and it's possible that I'm not weighing enough of that ceiling. 
um in this one um tyler mcgill if he's starting for the mets like it's the beginning of 2022 again and we were all really really in on that so i imagine with all their starters leaving that he will have a clean go at it um in the rotation as long as he's throwing 95 to 96 like sitting there he can be excellent edward cabrera we know the hard change of fastest we've had it many many a time the curve looked better at times too i don't think the fastball is as good though as i want it to be and also the marlins might have some weird um, competition at the end of their rotation if Sixto Sanchez is healthy. Um, so you keep that in mind. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, dude, he's going to get all the innings. Uh, who who are the Nationals going to start instead of Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray and Patrick Corbin? Yeah. Right? It, it's okay. So Mackenzie Gore just has this clean path to playing time. Uh, and that's pretty cool. I want to chase someone like that who had a good fastball and then showcased a good secondary pitch. All, like, all, all the secondary pitches had their days of being excellent. So I think there's something still there. Remember, Mackenzie Gore, he was so highly heralded for so long. Now he has his full opportunity. Kopech, if he's fully healthy, I mean, he's still Michael Kopech. It's just about health, really. Um, and then uh, Grayson Rodriguez, if he's in the rotation, do you think that the Orioles are going to have him in the rotation out of spring? I, I, I do think they will. I think he was probably pretty upset that he wasn't in the rotation and then got injured and then missed the opportunity to be in the rotation. Yeah. And I think they're going to, they got the year like a bleak injury. I don't know. Right? Yeah. It was a, um, yeah. Or lat. I think it was a lat. Lat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I, if I recall correctly, but if I, the rumblings that I heard were like, he was pretty pissed that he wasn't up yet. And then he got really pissed when he was injured and wasn't pitching. So like, Obviously, you can't really take account feelings into things. It's a business, but like there's no reason why Grace, if they want to compete, which I think they do, uh, Grayson Rodriguez should be yeah. in the in the in the right. Rotation so I might be pushing play. him up higher uh, as we get closer to the spring. Um, Grayson fun. Rodriguez. Now you're asking, is it an oblique or a lat injury? And I want to say it's the latter. So, but let's move on to the next tier. Very nice. Let's move on to tier 11 here. Don't do my job. 69 <laughs> through 76, uh, 69, Tyler Anderson, Marcus Stroman, Brady Singer, Patrick Sandoval at 72, Taiwan Walker, Ross Stripling, uh, Miles Michaelis, and number 76, Merrill Kelly. What's it called and why is it called that? Out so for hobbies. Yeah, it's called bird watching because what? I'm just going to look at them and never touch them. <laughs> really that's interesting so let's start with tyler anderson i mean tyler anderson you know really stepped up for the dodgers over the course of the year fantastic change up ends up with you know eighth best win loss record which matters obviously more in fantasy than it does in real life but getting 15 wins because he's going to be on the dodgers one whip really good walk rate what is it about tyler anderson who ends up putting together a pretty stellar season that you're out on what is the one if I had to say, like, there are like two mottos I have, right, uh-huh. for drafts. What don't are the two mottos? Like, don't draft Tobies. That's yeah. what applies here. What's the other one? Um, wait on pitching. <laughs> I like your tone with this. Um, uh, wow, uh, it's 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 not a best ball league. It's not a best ball uh, league, right? Um, but yeah, don't draft Tobies. These are this is the Toby tier, pretty much. Mm. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, I think Tyler Anderson. I could find myself actually drafting some of these if it's the end of the rounds and like their opening matchup. Like, okay, cool. I'll take this guy, you know, against the Pirates or whatever. That's, I'm totally fine with that. Um, or I feel like they're just everyone else is taken. I'm just like, all right, you know what? I need something that I feel I'll get innings and an actual good start first time out. Absolutely. I imagine all of these are going to go off the board before a lot of the other ones that I'm going after. Right. Uh, because I just generally don't believe either A, that the season that they just had will be repeated or be that what they provide does enough for me to hold on to early in the season. Wait, I, I, I forgot an important caveat too that um, I thought it was the case and then I was double checking. He he is a free agent this year. Too. Tyler Anderson. Yes. Yeah. So we don't know if he's going to return to the Dodgers, which drops the win total. We also don't know if the strides that he made with the changeup continue. So and that's the some defense behind context. him with the Dodgers is Great a huge, point. huge now, reason. They could re-sign him. They might be able to get him for cheap, but I wonder if he plays the market because he had a great year and he might get a lot of money from someone. But yeah, Um, how did Tyler Anderson have his first season under a four ERA? But It was under three, but really before this, it was 4.3 was his best in recency and uh, recent history. And it's the the change of usage going way up. Um, Was an excellent pitch this year. 
I think he had a really good feel for it. And we also saw times where it just was fine. And he was like his old guy. And he's also a part of the Dodgers, as we mentioned, which helps things for him too. Uh, yeah, you take both of those away. I think it's a peak year. And, uh, and you take away that Dodgers team. And I think he gets worse. Um, moving on then to number 71, Brady Singer. Um, maybe some people would be surprised to see him. Maybe some people would be surprised to know that he had a 323 ERA yeah. at the end of the wow. year. I, I would like to cite the top 21 CSW, but if I recall correctly, he's always kind of been a, a, a CSW darling. CSW yes. has always kind of really, really liked him. Um, what do you see? about uh about brady singer that has you so excited because the i mean the, the sinker is really good um again the swing strike rate on the slider wasn't fantastic this year um but what, what is it about singer that you're digging well i don't know if i'm digging because i think other people like him more but maybe i'm wrong about this i about the csw stuff his called strike rate is 21 percent was last year 16% was the league average, while his swing strike rate is only at 10% and league average is around 12%. So that's where he's making up the the difference, right? He's getting four points on it from the league average um, through that early three and change. He's a two-pitch pitcher, and he's always going to be a cherry bomb to me. I don't think, you know, I remember when he first came back from the minors, Brady Singer had this new changeup, and everyone thought, oh, man, no, he's got the third pitch. He's a new guy. That's why he had success in that first one. And then, no, he's... Same same thing. Some days he's going to get both. Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, whiffs and tiffs. Uh, whiffs is what and I call tiffs. It. Yeah, whiffs are the slider whiffs, and then sinker called strikes. It's like the batters tiff at it, okay, and they don't want to swing at it. <laughs> the good old whiffs and tiffs. Um, good old whiffs and tiffs. Yeah. So when you see like double digit called strikes on the sinker and double digit whiffs on the slider, it's like, oh yeah, fantastic start, you know. It's over 20 CSW um, alone. Um, he does that often, but then other times it's like only four whiffs in the slider and he does really poorly. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's just not stable enough for me. Um, I, I don't really buy into this always working. Now, will he have great starts? Yes. It's just for my fantasy teams, I like knowing where I stand. And I don't think I'll know where I stand with Singer for, through the entire year. Okay, uh, I imagine, you know, you mentioned that this is the Toby tier, which seems kind of fitting then that Miles Michaelis and Merrill Kelly are rounding out the back end of it. I, I, is it just that there's not enough upside in terms of anything aside, maybe ERA and maybe whip that has you interested in, in drafting them? I just didn't see much different from my uh, from Merrill Kelly. I I mean, the O-swing went up on his change up to 44% early in the season. That was the thing. We're like, oh, man, the change was looking really good. And it was back to its 2020 ways. But yeah, I, I just don't believe that his four-seamer is going to have a 215 batting average allowed again. It did go up to 11% swing strike rate. That's pretty cool. You know, it was normally 8% or so. And that jumped up. I, I just think that's a peak. Um, you know, its velocity went up to 92, 93 as opposed to like 92. But essentially a tick from 2021. Yeah, it's too pedestrian for me. I think he's going to fall back to earth closer, you know, around a four-year array and a 120-ish whip or so with a 20% K rate. Uh, while Miles Michaelis is kind of the same. I mean, he's going to be a whip guy because he doesn't walk anybody. Yeah. But Miles Michaelis had a 19% K rate. Um, and that ERA is 329 by the end. He stumbled uh, kind of in September. Then he, he got back into it. And by the way, 17% K rate while striking out nine is penultimate start. Uh, which is pretty funny to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Miles Michaelis, again, does not do anything that new or different to me. He got a little bit more whiffs on his four seamer this year. Uh, a lot more, actually. I should say 12% swing strike rate. But I don't know. He's It's still really pedestrian. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I think he had a fortunate year, and that's that. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's two of those guys that I just feel like are might not be able to fully recreate the success that they had in drafting them. Um, those are the dudes that you probably not, not probably those are the dudes that you acquired mid season through uh, free agency, right? That you picked up off. Yeah, the like wire. early on the year in April, it just never stopped. You're like, okay, fine, but yeah, sure. I think it will now. I mean, hard contact yeah. rate for Miles Michaelis was 102nd in the majors, a 27 percent of his at bats or his plate appearances ended in hard contact. That's a quarter over a quarter of them. Yeah, that's not bad. good. Not great, Bob. 
Um, all right, you want to hit on some of the other dudes in this tier before we move on to 12? Sure, Marcus Stroman is still here, and if you want that stability, go ahead. Um, 3-5, three, 3-6 three, ERA, it's, they're waiting for you. Just got to deal with possibly a 1-2-5 whip and not the greatest strikeout rate. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, I just... We didn't see the changeup slider combo work as well. The slider actually came through. The changeup was so sporadic. And to me, it's just too, and the fastballs are not good. So it's just too volatile. Tywin Walker, I don't know what we're going to get. Um, mm. Fastball velocity went down this year, but slider came through or splitter came through at times. And it was, again, looked really good for a while, then got hurt. And then I just don't know. Um, and Ross Stripling, he's a free agent now. I. Uh, he was much better with this changeup this year. It was all starting to click a bit for him. It's still not quite enough, in my view, hmm. um, to trust him for the full year. I don't really see that higher echelon of talent. So that's why these are tier 11, while everyone in tier 10, you can all see them. You can see the path to them being a top 20 starter. Okay. Let's move on to tier 12, then 77 through 84. Tarek Skubal, uh, Jose Barrios at 78. Nathan Ivaldi, Domingo Herman, Jose Urquidy. 82 is Luis Garcia, Alex Cobb, and 84, Bailey Ober. What's it called? Why is it called that? Uh, this is the Bonfire Club. Um, Because, man, they can go on hot streaks, but oh boy, mm. can they destroy you. You get okay. too close. Now, the this is the uh, definitively the lowest starting ranking of Jose Barrios career, <laughs> or would be, assuming that this is what it would be coming into the 2023 oh, yeah. season. Uh, I mean, obviously, just a, an awful uh, year for him. Uh, didn't get you anything that you really needed aside maybe innings but at that point it was kind of hurtful considering he had a 5-2-3 ERA with a 1.42 whip you know there wasn't anything particularly noticeable in what he was doing with his usage it was still you know curveball led however he uh saw last year's um career high in uh uh 507 woba uh, excuse me, that was in 2020, but he decided to uh, try and up that again with a 440 Woba, um, really the highest of his career if you're counting full seasons. Just not great from him, wasn't really able to pull anything together. Um, this kind of leads me to believe that you don't think this was a flash in the pan for Jose Brios. You don't really see him riding the ship and returning to being a mid to uh, high three ERA pitcher. I hope he does. Uh, I mean, it's so funny. I've been out on Brios all the time. All the time. And the one year that I'm saying, look, I recognize who he is. My whole argument is going to stay the same. Stick to my guns. Calling him the great undulator who just goes to 3-7. He does not have that ceiling. And everyone jumps off the ship completely. But so fo so much so that they go past me. Running in the other direction as I'm just still there on the bench. And I stayed there fast. Reading my newspaper, <laughs> calling him the the great undulator, hmm. and I'm now the one that was in on Barrios, and I hate it so much. Yeah, um, I just believed in stability of him being the same thing, and no, it was it was really 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 bad. Um, you're wondering how did his strikeout rate drop so much, and I don't know. I I I just don't know. I think he just allowed more overall contact uh, yeah. with the fastballs. It, it just it's so odd to me. His change of highest O swing I've seen from him at 45%, which is actually really cool. Um, his curveball was never a swing strike pitch down to 13%, but it was 15% last year. And CSW is pretty much the same. I, I, I wish I had more answers, but I, I don't. And he just got hit harder with a sinker in his four seamer, 40% hard contact on his four seamer. 33% on his sinker, both highs. Um, actually, 2024 seamer was a little bit higher, but that doesn't count. Um, it's possible he writes it. Uh, it certainly is. I won't know. And I am going to be just frustrated. I was always frustrated with Brios before this, but I thought at the end of the year, through all the ups and downs, he was going to settle like a 3-7, or something, right? Between 3-5 and 4. And never got there this year. It's possible he fixes it next year. I just don't want to deal with it. And it might actually even be a testament to how loaded pitching is. There yeah. are so many options right now. So 
you know, I don't feel the need to go and chase Barrios because there are all these other guys I'd feel better about and clearer about when they do well. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit then uh, about number uh, 80, Domingo Herman. Now, as of right now, in all likelihood, the number five starter for the Yankees, they lose Jamison Tyone to free agency, which means it's probably Cole, Cortez, Severino, Montas, and Domingo Herman. Obviously, maybe there's a case that they sign an additional starter, but you'd have to feel pretty confident that they do like going into the season with him as their number five. Uh, you know, obviously, fantastic curveball picked up a, a, a heck of a lot of whiffs. We only saw, uh, what is it, like 15 starts from him, I think that it was. No, uh, yeah, yeah 14, 14 starts, 15 appearances, 15 starts for Domingo Herman, likely going to have an increased workload next year. What are you thinking about him? If he does stick in the rotation, yeah, he's better than a 19.5% strikeout rate. That curveball, 38% CSW, uh, 68% strike rate, sub 20% hard contact rate. This is really good stuff for a hook, 19% swing strike rate on it. I don't love his four-seamer and changeup. There are times the changeup really does become a solid offering for him inside of a game. Four-seamer is the one that he struggles with. He had a 407 Woba on the pitch this year, 44% hard contact. It's just a matter of doing enough with the curveball and changeup on a given day. Thing is, I don't really want to go after this in my 12-teamers. If he's the number five, if there's a chance, knowing the Yankees, they often like to do this. If they have any day off early on, they just skip the four spot uh, and they just reset the rotation one more time. Not to mention, I'd be shocked if the Yankees felt like they had enough depth with what they have now. And if they were to get any depth, that would not mean Domingo Herman gets starts. That's yeah. just how the, how I see it at the moment. Um, they got to, they got to do something huge this off season. They have to, um, the Yankees are now becoming the laughing stock after getting swept by the Astros. They've lost what four, four ALCS uh, things to uh, to the Astros now in like the past five years or something as fast dances you know it's really fun having hate as an Orioles fan I just feel bad for you it just it just holds you just hold it in and let it out to other people what do you mean you know I mean because you don't experience any of the joy you you're like happy to see me suffer yeah, but my lows are so much higher. You know what I mean? Like, because at the end of the day, what? I don't expect to be sitting on my couch in October. I mean, I expect to be sitting on my couch in October. I am so happy I had something ball. to root for in this postseason fast. So did I. I am not the low Yankees at all. losing. The Yankees yeah, see, losing. It's, I, I ask everybody listening to never wish failure upon anyone. Um, anyway. Um, there are a few. There's a few. <laughs> rid that. Rid that that negative energy from inside of you. Uh, but anyway, Domingo Herman should not be the number five starter, I don't think. But I put him here being like, okay, if he is starting regularly, we'll see where we are in the spring. But that's where he would be. I uh, We're going to move on to Bailey Ober. We we have to fix it. Like the, the thing that's so frustrating to me, well, two mm. things. One, we should be able to find exact injury sources and a full history. I just, you know, I just did a Nick Pollock and friends with Jeff Zimmerman about, about two hours ago and talked exactly about that. Why is it so hard? Like, I know there are some great resources. No one wants to, no one wants to, to um, note it, you know, or to like make sure it's documented in one coherent pl- Anyway. Yeah. So we'll he, have that eventually. Be- we just keep doing other cool things and push it aside. But yeah. We'll have it. He missed a majority of the weeks, uh, a majority of the season with an aponeurotic plate injury, uh, which he described as a tendon pulling on his pelvic bone. Um, and then I think sometimes it was just also listed as a groin injury. Um, he didn't make all too many starts. Uh, when he did, there were a lot of really good ones, including his return from the IL. This is a guy who didn't pitch. He, he had one start in June and didn't have an appearance until the middle of September, where he came back, and what did he do? He had a King Cole that day, which was pretty impressive. Now, granted, King Coles are probably a little bit easier to do when you have a good night and you're only throwing like 70 pitches, but still, nice return against Cleveland. Pretty strong finish, especially with a 10 uh, uh, a K start against the White Sox, thanks to 12 slider whiffs, also picking up the uh, Gallows pole that night as well. What are you looking forward to about Bailey Ober in the 2023 season? Man, 
I wonder, I, I, I go back and forth on this. I, I remember thinking this time last year that maybe Bailey Ober had the opportunity to have a slider working more than Joe Ryan. They both have had moments where the slider mm. works. And when the slider works, both of them have an excellent four-seamer. They keep up in the zone. And if they have that secondary going down, then it's, you know, it's showtime. Um, 35% O-swing on the four-seamer this year and last, which is great. I don't know how much I can depend on that slider uh, showing up. This was a 20% swing strike rate this year. Limited sample. Um, only about 200 thrown uh, this year. But the fastball is good enough as he is Bailey Oberizzi and goes high all the time with it. Um, only a 45% zone rate. Wondering if that's close to league average. It's not 50% is league average. It's actually really fun. Like all the years I've I've looked at pitch FX for zone rates and stuff. 50% has always been this nice round number. Of like, oh, if you're underneath that, that's kind of weird. But if you're above that, you're normal. 50.1% yeah. was the average last year for four seamer. I love how much that stuck. You're uh, if you're wondering, how does Nick get all these league averages? They are on our player pages. We have the league average for every single stat. Um, you just hit show league average on the top right. Like seriously, it's incredibly helpful. If you don't know this stat or that stat, you just get a reference point. There you go. Um, it's pretty fun stuff. The, for me, the question uh, of o- Ober is twofold. One, how much are the Twins going to let him pitch? We know a lot that Minnesota likes to limit their starters a ton. We saw it with Chris Archer. We see it with Dylan Bundy. We've seen it with Bailey Ober. Joe Ryan feels like a little bit more free to, to go six or so because it's really just his fastball. And it's like, well, my fastball's still really good, so who cares? Maybe they start doing that for Bailey Ober as well. I think we're going to see some nice moments, but I, I got a feeling that Bailey Ober isn't going to quite do enough for your teams. Um, he'll go a good five and change or so, but not really that consistent six and doesn't really have that kind of ceiling in my view. It's possible that that does change and all of a sudden becomes like a mini Brandon Woodruff type. That would be wonderful. Uh, the question mark is if Minnesota will let him do that. So he's a fun one to go after, but he's not really someone I want to go after. Okay. Uh, why don't you hit upon the other guys in this tier before we move on to tier 13? Do you know who Tarek Skubal is? Uh, I do know who Tarek Skubal is. <laughs> yes, I do. I take him. Um, he had a really good start to the year, and then he got hurt. And before he even got hurt, it wasn't all locked in. I wonder if the slider and changeup are really going to be the proper compliments. Um, we had a worry that he might get Tommy John. He, he's not, but there's still that injury question entering, entering uh, 2023. Um, I don't know why I said hentering, but I like that word now. Um, yeah, it, it's. I feel like I, we still will be confused about what we get from Tarek Skubal um, next year. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, is it going to be 94 mile per hour fastballs or not? I have no idea. He's going to be a free agent. Curious where he does land. He'll probably have a bullpen at some point to prove that he's healthy. And I imagine we'll see a report of oh he hit 96 he hit 97 like yes but he's supposed to sit that Hmm. and uh if he's still sitting 94 in the spring i'm just gonna be like no i'm not not touching this jose arquiti and luis garcia put back to back they both had successful years if you had them both sub four eras both whips underneath 120 they fluctuated and i don't know what to expect from either one i mean maybe you could say they're gonna do the same thing again but they never, to me, felt like they got into a proper groove with what they're doing. Um, Urquidy at least feels like there's still stuff to tinker with and and work out that he can excel past the 19% K rate he had this year, just underneath 20. He could be better than that. Um, while Luis Garcia, I, I felt like he got fatigued and he couldn't really figure out his cutter or slider. And it just, to me, it's just too inconsistent uh, overall. And I'm not really that into it. Um so I'm not a fan there. And then there's this guy, Alex Cobb, apparently got so unlucky this year. Mm. Um, yeah. And he's everyone's darling for that. At the same time, he allowed 28% hard contact, 124th in the majors in hard contact allowed. So not maybe not that unlucky. But, uh, you know, it's hard being super successful with a high ground ball rate. You're going to have a high whip. Look at Framber Valdez, number one. And it was 116 whip and 130 for Cobb this year. Obviously, should be better, um, but not that much better. And I, I, I'd be a little bit worried going after Alex Cobb. Okay. Uh, let's move on to tier 13, 85 through 90. Number 85, Ronzi Contreras. Luis Ortiz sticking with Pittsburgh, now moving to the Orioles and DL Hall at 87. Then Trevor Rogers, uh, Mike Clevenger, and Ryan Nelson. 
What's it called and why is it called that? It's just skydiving. That's outdoor, right? Yeah, sure. I hope so. <laughs> you go out the door to skydive. <laughs> okay, yeah. The door of the plane. Uh, it's because when you start doing it, you're like, what am I doing? Why, why on earth did I do this? Mm-hmm. And then uh, hopefully you land on your feet. <laughs> Very good. Uh, let's start with Luis Ortiz, who I guess between him and D.L. Hall are the two dudes that we saw the least of uh, in 2023. We saw some spot starts and some relief appearances. Those are from D.L. Hall and two uh, four starts from Luis Ortiz, you know, uh, comes in with uh, elite uh, or supposedly very um uh, high hopes for his fastball slider combination more so that fastball of the slider is supposed to be fantastic as well and we saw it you know once or twice I mean there was a nice 7k game against the Cubs where he was working that fastball slider combination really effectively picked up 10 slider whiffs you have to figure he is going to be a part of that starting rotation in Pittsburgh at some point he is their best pitching prospect but we've also seen other recent pitching prospects yeah, oh from boy. Pittsburgh appear with a lower amount of polish, right? I mean, it's not like Ronzi Contreras. It's not like Ronzi Contreras was, you know, he had great moments. There were really fantastic starts for him, but there wasn't a lot of consistency. We'll talk about him momentarily. What are you thinking about Luis Ortiz? Luis Ortiz has a really good fastball and a really good slider. Um, he throws harder than Ronzi Contreras. 98 average this year, which is insane. Um, the slider gets a ton of whiffs. He had three games. First three astounded me against the Reds, against the Yankees, against the Cubs. Whew, beautiful. Then he had this game against the Cardinals, and he just could not find the zone. I remember watching this one. He had three walks. He was just, I have no idea where it's going. So I was a little bit better, but the fastball, no. And everything just piled on. Uh, it's just one of those games. It happens a lot for rookies and younger players because when they lose it, they, I mean, Alex, think fast here. You're a young pitcher, and you you're not used to it. Inexperience is not knowing how to deal with adversity a lot, right? Mm. Um, so he had one of those games. It happens. Uh, what is development and not failure? I've been saying that a lot, but I like it. And here's his failure. Okay, this is part of his development process. Yeah. I uh, I would imagine the Pirates are going to let him start out of the gate next year. I really hope they do. Ronzi Contreras, Yohan Aviedo, and Luis Ortiz are part of these like the three of them like oh they have they throw hard and they have a good breaking ball you know this could work out as long as they give enough time to figure this out um now there's jt brubaker still there there's mitch keller do they want to give any other time to the other names that i've forgotten and that's kind of i think a showcase of the pirates i said with jeff Bryce wilson he t- he stole he told a really good story by the way that that podcast Bryce wilson right um that podcast is coming out thursday morning um about about pirates and speedboats and i thought that was such a wonderful metaphor for the pittsburgh pirates it wasn't supposed to be it was talking about him in times in the the navy listen Mm -hmm. to that story it's fun but yeah the pittsburgh pirates are the the team in the speedboat while the rest of us are on cruise liners and everything um which i think is perfect so so right what are the pirates gonna do are they gonna let not only ortiz pitch but also help develop him i don't know Um, but as far as raw stuff goes, I mean, yeah, he's, he's got some really good, uh, really good pitches in his arsenal. There are, uh, you know, deal hall is kind of quick. I mean, a lot of uh, upside there turned into a reliever at the end of the year to kind of mitigate the innings and probably going to be returned to a starter for next year. Rogers and Clevenger are interesting because two guys with high hopes for the 2022 season who just, no, really did not perform for various reasons. Here they are at the back end of the 80s. Uh, I imagine these are just two dudes that there still is a, a level where if they return to anything, you know, uh, you know, looking like what they used to be, they're going to be very, very good for your team. And if we're in the low 80s, you're probably not wasting much by way of pick. So with, with Trevor Rogers, he had these two starts at the end of the year. Uh, September 7th and September 12th, where he combined for 17 strikeouts out of nowhere. Uh, four-seamer was inside the zone, and change-ups were landing well uh, against Texas. Uh, fine against the Phillies, not really. It was just more of a four-seamer game. There is some hope that Trevor Rogers can get back to being a four-seamer change-up slider guy. I still think the four-seamer is a really good offering. CSW last year, 11% swing strike rate. There is hope for it to return to its 23% hard contact rate from 2021 as opposed to the 32% we saw this past year. Well, the changeup 
I think had moments looking like that elite offering from 2021 while the slider just needs to work at being that strike pitch and getting above the 60% threshold. He didn't allow any hard contact with it. Uh, 8.6% this year, throwing it 17% of the time, which is good, but I think that's just more of a fact that he didn't really throw that many competitive pitches and then guys didn't swing at it. Right. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see if this can pan out, if you can get some consistency across the board with everything. But it's still there. He's 20. He's going to be 25 next year, Trevor Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Marlins have showcased uh, development across the rotation. Remember Sandy Alcantara in the beginning? I was questioning him uh, a lot the first two years, essentially. And now I'm his biggest fan, right? Uh, so I, I'm not going to rule out Trevor Rogers whatsoever. I think he's a fun uh, stash play. Mike Clevenger, I have more doubts on because I don't know if the slider and the cutter. Are going to come back. I mean, he doesn't throw the curveball anymore. It's really just that slide that used to be a 20% swing strike rate pitch, only at 13% this year. Well, and the fastball velocity going down a full tick as well, about 93, 94, as opposed to sitting 95 definitively. Yeah, it, I don't dig that at all. He really needs that velocity and that breaking ball to get whiffs. So, I mean, I like Trevor Rogers actually a decent amount more than Clevenger. Clevenger I might actually have in the next tier. I think you convinced me to not do that. But I, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to blame it on you. I'm just going to blame it on you. That's fine. I mean, he was <laughs> awful this year, but I, yeah, I still think maybe there's there's got to be some upside there. I mean, I know it takes longer to recover from. I think this is his second Tommy John. Yeah, um, maybe that's and, maybe that's it. Yeah, but man, he just looked. Oh, I, the fact that they kept trotting him out in the playoffs too was like, I know Manai is not great, but is he that much of a worse option than yeah, Clevenger then right now? Yeah, came in like, and it was like, yeah, this isn't good either. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, you want to hit? I think we hit on pretty much everyone except for Ryan Nelson. Uh, anything you want to yeah. say about him? Real quick? Uh, I mean, Ronzi Contreras. Just so you know, why I have him above Luis Ortiz? He's just more uh, seasoned at this point. Sure, uh, I do think the raw stuff of Luis Ortiz, even though it is more of a, a riding four seamer, it's a low swing strike rate on it. I think that still speaks better than I uh, think Contreras, who's thrown about 90, uh, 95, 96. You've seen him a little bit lower at times as well. Um, but yeah, it just didn't seem as overwhelming with the fastball. Uh, 43% hard contact rate on that fastball. That does actually make me think Waskari Noah, um, as he had a high hard contact rate, but had that slider, 24% swing strike rate on Corin uh slider last year. Um, now with Ryan Nelson, he's like Dre Jameson, but a little bit worse. <laughs> uh, lots of sliders up is what he tried to do, and he overpowered, guess what, the Padres, the Padres and the Dodgers, and, the, and then faltered against the Padres. Um, like Bailey, but uh, injury was the reason. So we can't really grade him too harshly for that. But when he gets his slider and his curveball over the plate, uh, he can be very effective. Um, and I think there is something to monitor here with Ryan Nelson. I imagine he does not get a rotation spot. I would think that Dre Jameson gets it and then they'll have like, was it Bumgarner, Gallon, Merrill Kelly and some other thing that I'm forgetting. <laughs> like I, I know Zach Davies, was it? I don't remember. They'll, they'll get something to fill it in. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, all right, we're good. Thumbs up. And they're like, fine, I guess we'll try J- J- Dre Jameson. And Ryan Nelson's going to be later in the season. But if Nelson is starting out of the gate, it's pretty interesting to me. Okay. Let's move on to the final tier here. Tier 14, 91 through 191. Edward Rodriguez, Drew Rasmussen, Jameson Tyone, Aaron Savale, Jose Quintana at 95, Carlos Carrasco, Eric Lauer, Drew Smiley, Justin Steele, and number 100, the... Is it the last in number 100 or the first? I don't know. It's Sixto Sanchez. This is uh, lake fishing. Because, you know, and I mean that like like you go out there with your pops or your best friend. You don't really have any intent of catching any fish. Yeah. You know, you're just throwing out the rod and just kicking back, you know, and just talking about life and hanging. Yeah, because you'd be surprised if you actually got like a legit bite on any of these. That's a good point. I was I was going to say it's pickleball because the olds are mostly here, but the youngs are getting into it, too. (laughs) That's pretty good. Like bocce. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very good. I like it. Very lazy. It's like, yeah, this isn't the most exciting thing. Yeah. (laughs) Let's start with with Drew Rasmussen. He comes in at number 92. Um another guy that was talked about a lot coming into the 2022 season, you know, what he was going to be able to do with that slider. Now 
He ends up giving you about 150 innings with a 2.84 ERA. Didn't really get you the Ks, but I don't know if we were necessarily thinking a lot of those Ks were going to come. We were hoping to see a larger uh, jump in that swinging strike rate and the slider, and we didn't really. I mean, it did end up being about a league average pitch, although it did benefit the cutter overall as it ended the year as a really, really uh, a good cutter um, comparatively. He's got good velo, not really walking a lot of guys. Is it just the lack of swing and miss here that has you really out on Drew Rasmussen? I just don't, I don't know what to expect with Drew Rasmussen. When he was doing really well, the cutter and slider were well commanded and get tons of whiffs and strikeouts and everything. But then they didn't, and he was he was not even a Toby at times. Uh, you never, especially by the end, you did not feel comfortable starting Drew Rasmussen. Uh, I mean, that goes, that is a product of facing the Astros and the Jays. And he did come through the last two starts for Drew Rasmussen. And this could be another season where I am underrating him because I, it just kind of works. But you think, oh, he's really good at hard contact. No, he's not. 104th in the majors, 27% uh, hard contact rate is not exceptional. It's fine. He doesn't walk, guys. He relies on it. The ERA and the whip, 284 and 104. I'm shocked to see it. I I I mean, maybe I don't I don't know. Is he like an Alcantara Wheeler light? Like he throws hard, has a low CSW rate, gets his outs, and he's just throwing those good pitches. Maybe, maybe I'm just undervaluing this. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about Drew Rasmus in this offseason as I figure out where I stand on it. Cause maybe he is that Alcantara Wheeler light and the Rays just don't let him go that long. Only five innings, 5.2 innings per game, um, through this year. And we're wondering, Oh no, that was because he was in relief. Nope. 28 games started, 28 games appeared. Um, there was also some injury. So it did bring him down a little bit, but this is not like a six inning guy. Like sometimes he did. Yes. You can't be above five on average without doing that like last three games were above six innings but through the year it was a lot of five and dives and uh i feel like he's not giving you enough with that 21 percent strikeout rate with across five innings and that's why i brought it down here i don't trust that's gonna be a sub three ERA. i don't trust that's gonna be a whip under 110 um maybe that's who he is 108 whip in 2021 it's possible I'm just completely overseeing this one and I'll be looking at it a lot. My feeling is he's a Toby and without without the ceiling and I don't feel like you're going to get the amount of innings that you'll get from the other Tobys here. Okay. Um, let's move on to the guy right uh, below him in Jamison Tyone. The first year he's been able to uh, uh, finish below a four ERA since 2018. But that said, wow, strikeouts. Really? Oh yeah, man, I guess uh, that's right. 410 in yeah. 2019 in the seven games and then a 430 in 2021. Yeah. Um, so nice to see him get below that mark. Also uh, second highest innings pitch total of his career at 177. However, if we take out that 2019 season, uh, the lowest K rate since his rookie year, the lowest swinging strike rate since 2017, um, you know, ends of the year with a relatively good whip, especially for where you're considering drafting him. Um, probably going to be in a little bit better of a pitcher's park uh, as he, unless he ends up at Yankee Stadium again. But it wouldn't surprise me to see another team pick him up. Uh, is how much do you think his new team is going to impact where he goes, or is it because he's such a Toby that it doesn't really matter? Well, I do like the fact that. Tyon is giving him a larger emphasis to sliders uh, down in glove side now, um, which we saw later on in the year. He got more whiffs on sliders because of that. Uh, I, I generally have the concern that I think he throws too many strikes um, across the board. Um, I love that he jams his sinker in. 37% O swing on that sinker is really nice. The average for a sinker is 26%. I freak out about Zach Wheeler's 51%. <laughs> which is still insane and everyone should realize how insane that is. Um, but I, I think all this stuff is fine. He's a complete kitchen sink guy. And for your fantasy teams, it doesn't speak to an exceptional season of a sub three ERA or so. It doesn't speak to a 26% strikeout rate or anything like that, which means you don't draft Tobies. And I think Tyone essentially is one. If he does find himself in the perfect location, you know, it might be a little bit more, uh, inclined to draft Tyone, but as of right now, I'm not saying he won't be rostered in a 12 team or just he's not the kind of thing I want to chase. There are so many intriguing pitchers to chase. And again, I want to emphasize this. 
even though this is the last two we're going to talk about, this is only because there are a lot of really interesting guys that could be top 30 starters. Uh, they have that ceiling that I feel like you don't want to be sitting with someone who's safe. You're going to find something that's safe on the wire. Uh, it's why I don't want to go after Rasmussen, which I know Rasmussen is going to be like in the top 60 for people. Um, they're going to say, look, he had a sub three year A, one of whatever, one of five whip, whatever it was, one of three. Uh, that's the reasoning behind this. I'm probably going to fine tune a little bit and move someone up like Rasmussen. But for Jameson Tyone, yeah, I don't think it's that reasonable to expect a 3-5 or lower from Tyone. So then why are you drafting him? 12-teamers. 15-teamers a little bit better, of course, but 12-teamer. Uh, a lot of interesting names going to kind of wrap up with... Well, actually, no. The, well, I'll give you... Um, I was thinking, I want to talk about Quintana. He's getting a little bit older. and It's about whether or not he's going to be able to replicate. But then... We, we have to wrap up, you know, I'll let you actually, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we obviously need to end with the number 100. So why don't you do a of quick, uh, a quick hit on everyone and we'll finish with our, uh, our last and I, I, I want, I, I want also, this is something we haven't been doing lately. And I think I speak for everybody where, you know, I want more Alex fast. I want, I want your thoughts on these guys just a little bit. And as, mm-hmm. as we go through the, the 100, I want you to just like, look at this. And I want you right now, while I go through tier 14, tell me who you think I'm most wrong about. And and really let, let the people know what Alex Fast thinks, you know, because I, I'm, I'm here. I have my pedestal, my megaphone, and I'm shouting and shouting and shouting. Um, but I, you know, I want to I want to I want to hear what Alex Fast thinks. OK, um, Eduardo Rodriguez, we were really excited about him. A lot of people were really excited entering this year. I was a little tepid on it. Still expected a lot better than this than we got this year. Obviously, him being a wall and I uh, and being hurt and all it's messed him up. But he was throwing softer when he came back. I never really got into that groove with cutters and changeups and fast. Maybe we saw like once. There's hope that that we can hit the reset button in 2023 is better. Aaron Savali, look, he was throwing curveballs and cutters finally, like a lot by the end. Yes, we only saw it for what four starts, but he looked very promising in those three outings. Last three outings, actually, uh, 21 strikeouts uh, across about eight or 17 innings, six runs total in three games, all wins, something to take away from that. Just one walk in that. Uh, that's because he's throwing cutters and curveballs. I really like that. Yeah, Jose Quintana, it's about the command. Is it going to be four seamers up, curveballs down? Um, that's you just nailed it with such consistency. We'll see where he lands. Uh, same with Carlos Carrasco. I expect him to leave the Mets. Um, and it's a four year ray, one thirty three whip. Some people were really into it after the first two months. I wasn't. I thought it was just, you know, not, he never really got locked in with sliders and changeups like the old days. Fast was a little bit too susceptible for me now to, down to ninety three miles per hour. Um I, I I still feel very hesitant. It's very cherry bomb esque with Carlos Carrasco. Eric Lauer ended the year at a three sixty nine ERA, one twenty two WHIP, and twenty four percent K rate. I'll take that, given how high I had him by the end. It was like sixtieth or something. Sure, fine, um, but I I think it was too volatile with what we got out of his four seamer. We did see the increased velocity stick. It was ninety two point five in twenty twenty one, ninety uh, ninety three point three this year. It wasn't the ninety four that we saw out of the gate in April. It fell down and went up. Fell down. Overall, though, 14% swing strike rate when all was said and done. The question was really, was the slider and curveball enough? CSW fell down on the slider. Uh, the curveball, 16% of the time, increased usage, but 28% hard contact allowed on that? That's not great. Hard contact went up also on the slider to 22%. It's all very questionable. Lauer, I felt like he was more of a cherry bomb. You just didn't know what you're going to get on a given night. So he's down here. Drew Smiley would look really good at the end. Once again, another season of this. Um, and we also had a game in the cornfield where we didn't get any metrics. It was his highest strikeout game against the Cincinnati Red, which, Reds, which is really frustrating to me. But he killed it. He was throwing harder. Uh, 93, 94 by the end. Curveball was as good as ever. It was the Blake Snell blueprint. Kind of love it. Um, I wonder if he can replicate that next year. And Justin Steele. Well, he was pretty good with the slider and his fastball for a while. Hard contact was 14th best among all pitchers at 21%. There's something to like about it. I don't know if I quite buy it, but limiting the hard contact about the four-seamer and slider is kind of interesting. So something to note there. And the 6-0, well, he's supposed to be healthy again. 
if he's healthy and pitching and actually in that rotation, finally after what last time he pitched was 2020, that was it. We'll see. And that's that's your 100. Ta-da, we did it. Yeah, you're 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 putting me a little bit on the spot here, but I'm going to run with it here, and I'm going to go ahead and say that the uh, and maybe it's a little bit of a cop out, but I don't think it is. The person that I think you're most wrong about is uh, is is Drew Rasmussen. Um, oh my god! All right, all right, fast. I'm sorry. Well, what about here? I, I have a little bit more in depth <laughs> reasoning, right? I mean, some of the one of the biggest complaints that we saw from a lot of pitchers this year was, or things that we talked about a lot, is an introduction of a cutter and what that does for your breaking pitch, right? What, how difficult it is to throw a cutter and then try and be able to throw your slider in the exact same way, right? We saw it with Walker Buehler. We saw it with Jameson Tyone. We saw it with a lot of guys uh, this year. Right? With four-seamer as well, right? Getting a worse yeah. four-seamer by introducing the cutter. Totally. It, it can just have a negative impact on other pitches. What we saw mm-hmm. with Drew Jameson, uh, Drew Jameson, Drew Rasmussen <laughs> was an introduction of a cutter in a way that I don't think we give enough credit to. I mean, this cutter ended up being... Uh, really, really fantastic for him. And yeah, while it didn't end up picking up, uh, uh, while he didn't end up overall picking up a lot of whiffs, I do think he could take a step forward with that slider to be able to return it to the pitch that it was last year. It went in the completely opposite direction. Um, but also just comparatively, if uh, he had a sub 300 uh, Woba on that four seamer, I believe. Yeah, he had a 272 Woba on that four seamer, which would put him 18th best in all of baseball, better than Severino, Manoa, Scherzer, Wheeler, uh, Rodon, uh, Tristan McKenzie, Brandon Woodruff. So yeah, league average is four- 354 Woba on four seamers. Yeah, so top 20 Woba, better than all those other dudes who've got great four-seamers. So if he's got the fantastic weapon in the four-seamer that he's shown stability with, if he's got a really good cutter that he just amped the usage of this year, and he theoretically has an option to throw a slider more to be able to get a little bit more whiffs, uh, I'm not saying that this is a guy who's automatically going to be a 40 or a 50, but if I'm looking at that tier uh, of um, uh, Tobys that we had at tier yeah, the Tyler 11, Anderson one. Yeah. yeah, there's no way that Drew Rasmussen shouldn't. Can't yeah, be he, in that I, team, I, right? I, I think that's you know even looking at it like today, I was like, yeah, I'm probably wrong on that one. Um, so I'm I'm fine putting him around Stroman. So yeah, 70, I, 71. Because I because yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if we're talking that's about it, yeah, okay. If we're talking one about guy, him, one guy, one hundred that I messed up. Dang it. Ninety nine. No, I no, I already fixed the other ones. Tarek Skubal and, and Mike Lavender. Uh, those were before we <laughs> no, recorded. Injury you didn't fix. Tarek Skubal, you didn't actually. I pushed back and I said, no, the injury thing. I thought he did jump up. I thought those were two guys from the No, Barrios was like, the one. Oh, okay. Even uh, that well, one, I'm like, I don't know. It's a cherry that bomb. That is, uh, but listen, you got the, uh, you got exactly what you wanted, but listen, yeah. Nick, that's going to do it for another fantastic episode of On oh, the man. Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. We'll talk about the 101 to 200 next time, and we'll see you in Florida. But that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. See you guys next week.